All right, today we are continuing our message series entitled Sounds of Summer. Sounds of Summer. Today I'd like to open up this message a, a little bit differently. I'd like to read a passage uh, to you from a classic doctrinal work. Uh, it's actually called uh, I Am Sasha Fierce. It reads, oh, 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 oh. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. If you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. Don't be mad once you see that he won it. If you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. The immortal words of the legend Beyonce. As we begin today's service, uh, if you've never heard that song before, DJ, would you please play it for us? Y'all know that song? Where my single ladies at? Fellas, you see where the single ladies are. I'm trying to point it out, trying to help you. All right. We just can't do the dance in church. That's all right. All right. Thank you, DJ. <laughs> uh, those words come from the pen of Beyonce, who's suggesting that if you are interested, if you want to take your relationship to a new level, if you want to go deeper in relationship, then you need to make a serious commitment. You need to do more than just use words. We need to see some action. You need to go to the store and buy something, right? There needs to be some investment in the relationship if it is really real. You see, rings, 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 rings are symbols of our relational commitment, right? Rings go back uh, over 3,000 years. We find evidence in ancient Egypt. The first rings given uh, to couples uh, uh, happened over 3,000 years ago, and those rings were made out of hemp. And what they did was those rings were the first uh, evidence that we have symbolizing everlasting love and commitment. You see, back then, and even in those writings that are ancient, they write that the ring was made into a round shape to show that there was no beginning nor ending, that this relationship was unbreakable, that this relationship was forever. We have that same symbology, sim symbology, Jesus, symbolism. <laughs> even today, we hold on to that same thing. The ancient Romans then took that same idea and actually added to it and started making rings out of iron. And so they made the rings out of iron as a sustainable metal to represent the sustainability and the longevity of a relationship. Right? That it should be a bond that lasts forever, a bond that is so strong that nothing can break it. The, the Greeks and the ancient Romans, actually, uh, uh, they introduced this idea of wearing the ring on the left hand, the fourth finger uh, on the left hand. 
Now, that was for two reasons. One was back in that day, it was a, a thought that everybody was right-handed. And so you wouldn't damage your ring if it was on your weaker hand because you did your work with your right hand. The other reason that is on the left hand, the third, fourth finger on your left hand, is because it was believed back then that this was the finger that contained the vein of love. The vein of love was thought to be a vein that traveled from this, what we now call the ring finger, all the way to the heart. Thereby, if I put a ring on the finger of the person I love, it represents this sacred union that will never be broken between the two. You see, rings are used in our culture as symbols of commitment. Rings are used as a covenant. To sh- it's a covenant that shows that this relationship shall never be broken. Sliding a ring on the finger of your beloved is a decision to work things out when they get bad and when they are good. It's a, a choice that you make to love this person forever. It is a, a, a reminder to you both that you uh, found a treasure so valuable that it just gets better and richer over time if both parties invest in it equally. You, you tell we got a lot of weddings coming up this summer. I've been studying, you know, brother, I've been studying. You see, <laughs> have you ever found a treasure in your life that you couldn't live without? Have you ever found a treasure? Maybe it was passed down to you from generations. It was a family heirloom that you received from a great-great-grandparent. Maybe it was something that you found in the sand when you were out doing your little metal detecting. Maybe it was something that was given to you or it's a place or activity that you engage in that gives you peace. Maybe it's something that gives you purpose. Maybe it's a cultural icon that that brings you life and so much joy. For my wife, that thing is the game of Scrabble. Anybody, any Scrabble players in the house? Oh, we got some Scrabble players. We need to set up a tournament because she will whoop you. I'm telling you, (laughs) I'm not the best at words, obviously, but but she uh, puts me to shame. Makes me feel bad every time we play, but that's what you do. That's what you do in love. Yes. Uh, I, I'm sorry. All right. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop. Scrabble is so valuable and meaningful to her because she loves words. She absolutely loves words. For me, mine is Monopoly. I love Monopoly. Monopoly is my game. That's my jam. I love to, to build things that will last. I love to, uh, uh, you know, Conquer. I love to get in there and take advantage and, 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 and build something. You know, I like to see something that's going to last. And then I like for people to pay rent, too. <laughs> but the best and most valuable treasure that I have ever found, I was introduced to 17 years ago. And her name is Lakita. Give me some brownie points. Y'all do the odds. Y'all do, get, bring it. 
17 years ago, I, I, I met Lakita, and she was, she was gorgeous. Uh, she is gorgeous. She, 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 had, she has this beautiful smile that just drew me in. She, she has this personality that is absolutely different than mine, and it's like opposites attract and also drive each other crazy, right? Uh, you learn that over the years, you know. That's what you learn. She uh, is incredibly smart, and she's absolutely out of my league. That didn't hinder me from making my pursuit. <laughs> that didn't slow me down. And some of you know that some, I've used the illustration before of how we met. And uh, uh, so I don't know, go back and listen to some other messages. But when I tried to get her digits, when I tried to get her phone number, some of y'all know she wrote down her work email address. <laughs> oh, it, it, that's not where the story ends, though. You know, so she wrote down her work email address, and we're emailing each other for months. And, and, and we, we, I'm trying to get closer. I'm trying to get to know her, and we just email her, all right? And finally, finally, she agrees to go out with me for dessert, not dinner. Dessert, a brownie. Let's go to the restaurant, just get a brownie, make this quick, get out of here. Get away from this guy that keeps pursuing me. And so we had dessert. And so probably, I don't know, months after that, I don't know how many months, it seemed like a year, she finally, finally invites me to her house to watch a movie. I said, this is my time. This, I'm going to shoot my shot. This is, this is it. I, I'm, I'm going to go, and I'm a, we're going to watch a movie together, right? We're going to sit down next to each other. And, 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 and you know what movie she chose? I said, it's going to be a romantic movie. It's going to be a, a horror movie so you can get closer. You know what I mean? She chose Forrest Gump. <laughs> you talk about the perpetual friend zone. She's sitting over there. I'm sitting over here. I'm like. She's sweating now. She's sweating. So as time went on and these kind of things kept happening with a lot of time in between, uh, I eventually, uh, uh, we were watching TV one day, and uh, I um, saw that she had taken you know, her, she had some rings on, jewelry, that kind of thing. She loves jewelry. And um, I noticed. And so I excused myself to, to go to the restroom. And on my way, I, uh, uh, without her permission, borrowed one of those rings. And I took that ring into the restroom with me. And then I saw in the bathroom that there was a bar of soap that was still wrapped in paper. So I took that ring and I smashed it into that soap. And I took that soap and I put it in my pocket and I bought her ring back and without her knowledge, put it back where it was. And I took that bar of soap to the local jeweler and got her finger sized. I'm telling you how to play the game, fellas. I'm telling you how to play the game. And so we go to the jeweler. I got to know the jeweler. Her name is Wendy. She, I saw Wendy a whole lot during that time. And, 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 and me and Wendy, she gave me an education on what carrot and cut and clarity and all of that kind of stuff was. She just was educating me and taking a whole bunch of money out of my pocket at the same time. <laughs> but I was so uh, intrigued by this young lady that I wanted to make a commitment to her. 
I wanted the relationship to go further. I wanted the relationship to go deeper. I wanted to get to know her better. And so I needed to make a commitment in order to go further. And so I liked it, so I put a ring on it. As a matter of fact, one night when her favorite game was laid out on the table, uh, uh, I had snuck some of the pieces in my pocket to cheat. Um, and I made this proposal to her. I did the thing. I did the thing. <laughs> Have you ever found someone so amazing that you were willing to make a lifelong commitment to them? Have you ever found someone so uh, wonderful, so valuable, so beautiful, so intriguing uh, that you were willing to put everything else, everyone else in second place and elevate them to a place of prominence? Have you ever met someone that you could put on a pedestal, that you could look up to, and that everybody else, everything else was even pushed off of the table because your attention was on the one that you should focus on? We see an illustration of this and what Jesus is inviting us into, uh, 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 this kind of relationship is what Jesus is inviting us into. He's asking us, are we willing to make him number one? Do we find him beautiful enough to spend our life with him? Do we find him so wonderful, so uh, loving, so intriguing that we're willing and, and ready to put everything else on the back burner in order to make him priority in our lives? That he is so gorgeous that we just can't take our eyes off of him. Is Jesus that for you? He's inviting you into that kind of a relationship. And we find more about this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 3. So if you have your Bibles, would you open them up or turn them on to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 3. We'll start at verse number 13, and we'll read all the way down until chapter 4, verse number 1. I'll be reading from the NIV version, and we'll put it up on the screen uh, if you want to read it in that way. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you, do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, who I love with him. I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, oh, to be tempted by the devil. 
God, would you use this message? And would you transform my words to words that people need to hear today? Holy Spirit, would you come? In Jesus' name, amen. This passage of scripture is absolutely theologically rich. I could spend probably an hour up here or more, probably a couple days up here on this one passage, but I know that you're not going to stay that long. So I'll break it down to a few points. I want to just identify a few things in this passage. There are a ton, uh, there's a ton of content, including uh, some contrast and some conflict in this passage of scripture. You see, John is attempting to discourage Jesus from being baptized. But Jesus then takes charge and he directs John to baptize him. We also see in the text that there's a contrast between Jesus being baptized in water and the Holy Spirit coming to celebrate that baptism. And then that same Holy Spirit comes and takes Jesus to the wilderness, the desert, to be tempted by the devil. He went from being, Jesus went from being surrounded and celebrated to being secluded and seduced. The text then goes from goes on from, uh, it goes to say that God is now speaking publicly. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then it goes to the devil speaking privately in Jesus' ear, attempting to convince him to dethrone himself. This is significant. I believe, for every one of us who considers ourselves believers, those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, I believe that this life that Jesus is living right now is the precedent for our lives on this planet, for our Christian lives. You see, our faith life should be filled with contrasts and conflict. If we're looking for a Christianity of comfort, we will always miss out on the Christianity of growth. If we are in constant comfort, we're certainly not being led by his Holy Spirit. It's just not possible. We have to go through something in order to get something. Jesus is inviting us into a faith that grows us, a faith that stretches us, a faith that uh, uh, makes us better tomorrow than we are today. And that growth starts with a commitment. That growth starts right here with John the Baptist trying to baptize Jesus or actually trying to discourage Jesus from being baptized. John the Baptist is actually a preacher and a prophet. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets, and he is the one who's supposed to bring attention to uh, uh, Jesus. He's the one who's telling everyone that the kingdom is coming, that we need to get ready. And so he's getting people ready by taking them through this Jewish ceremony. Ceremony of baptism. 
It is a ceremony where you get into the water and you are washing your sins ceremonially. You are getting into the water and you are washing the sins, thereby leaving that life behind and coming out of the water anew. So let's clarify today what this commitment is. What, what is this commitment of baptism and why is it so important to Jesus and why should it be so important to each and every one of us today? To baptize, the Greek word baptizo means to dip or to immerse. Baptism, my point, first point, is this, is an act of obedience, Baptism is an act of obedience. In John's ritual, uh, people would confess their sins. They would come and ceremonially leave their sins behind. They would come in obedience that I need to be getting myself prepared because the kingdom of God is at hand. If you read the whole chapter, I would suggest you do that. That's some homework for you. Read chapter 3 and 4 together. They go together. It's us who separated them in the chapters. Those two go together. And I think they're important to understand together. But then Jesus shows up to be baptized. John is like, ah, oh, no, you, you don't know what you're doing, Jesus. You got this all wrong. This is for people with sins. Jesus comes and says, John, I want you to dunk me today. And even though he didn't need to be baptized, he came in obedience. That this was a step of faith in order to bring the kingdom. He used this opportunity as a model for others to mimic. I love leaders that lead by example. I love to see a leader that's not afraid to get their hands dirty. I love to see a leader who's not afraid to get in the game and help their team win. I'm really opposed to those leaders who sit in a building far, far away on the sidelines and just yelling commands at their team. I want a leader who's going to get down in the dirt and say, let me help you from down here. Somebody who really knows what it's like to be down in the dirt. Not somebody who's been clean all their life. I need somebody who's been through this thing and who's willing to help pull me out. That's who Jesus is. Jesus, the greatest leader of all time, comes down from heaven or from his throne, from, from glory, to come down in the, in the nasty here and now and get in the dirt with us. And what does he do? He gets in the dirt with us. But watch this. Jesus is perfect, right? Yeah, but he is the perfect leader because he leads by example. John Maxwell once said this. John Maxwell, one of the great leadership gurus of all time, he says that great leaders lead by example. Here's a quote. A, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Today we dedicated children to the Lord. Y'all witnessed it. Y'all were in here. We dedicated children to the Lord. These parents came as an act of obedience to dedicate their children to, uh, to God, to bless their children, to pray over their children, right, so that their children can make their own decision one day. 
to follow Jesus, to start the children off on the right path. I know that some of you, this is talking about baptism. Some of you have been baptized as children. Some of you may have even been baptized as infants. Some of you had that decision made for you by your parents or maybe a priest. And and there's nothing in Scripture that uh, uh, discounts that or says that that's wrong, okay? So if you were baptized as a child or infant, God bless you. That's awesome. But I'd like to point out to you that Jesus and everyone in Scripture who got baptized, who made this commitment to God chose to make that decision, chose to get baptized as an act of obedience. I'd like to encourage you. Maybe you're wrestling and you've been wrestling over the years. You see people when we do baptisms and we pull out the pool and and I hear some of you because some of you come and talk to me. Man, I I, I don't know. You know, I was a child when I got baptized. My my parents invested in me. I don't know if I should get baptized. And and, and, you know, that was a long time ago. I'm past that now, Gary, right? Well, I'd like to call your attention to this passage and see Jesus at age 30 getting in the water publicly. And committing himself to the ways of God. If the Holy Spirit is stirring something in you and saying, yeah, I've made a new start with Jesus. Or I need to make a new start with Jesus. I'd like to encourage you to take a step of baptism. Baptism is that commitment. It is an act of obedience that I am following Jesus. Now, the reason I brought up leadership earlier was this. That sometimes we need to lead by example. God is looking for people who lead by example. And maybe somebody in your life needs to see you take that step. Maybe your kids, maybe your your family members, maybe your co-workers, maybe your enemies need to see you take that step of getting baptized so it can galvanize their faith. You never know what the Holy Spirit is doing in somebody else's heart. So, baptism is uh, an act of obedience. And you can get rebaptized without shame. Let me just say that. There's no shame in baptism. I've dunked some of the youngest people and some of the oldest people in my life. I've dumped, dunked uh, people with special needs. I've dunked people who can follow Jesus, people who can make a claim that they are following Jesus. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, I'd invite you to come to the baptism workshop. We're going to have that right after this service. And I'm going to invite you at the end of the message to come again. But my point number two is this. Baptism is an act of repentance. John was known for baptizing people into repentance. To repent means to turn from something. And to turn towards something. It's not just a theology of no. Oh, I got to stop doing this. I got to stop doing that. No, it's a theology of yes, I get to follow Jesus. Yes, I get to look upon the greatest leader that ever lived. I get to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I get to be in a relationship with a God who loves me. So if Jesus lived a perfect life, why would he have to go through a baptism of repentance? 
is a question that we should answer. Verse number 15, I think he clarifies it. He says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus, watch this. This blew my mind as I was sitting there reading it. Jesus is standing in as our substitute. Jesus is standing in and repenting in our place. Jesus is leading by example. Jesus is symbolically turning from sin on our behalf. This is actually a precursor, what we call a type of the cross. When Jesus would take on all of the sins of humanity and put them to the grave permanently. He took on your sin and my sin and put them to death. And in this situation, he's taken our sin symbolically and going under the water and said, I am leading by example and showing you the way to go. Baptism is an act of repentance, but it's also an act of public confession. Public confession. How many of you are married or engaged or, you, you know, you, you got a special someone and uh, you're keeping them a secret? Y'all laughing. That's, that's that nervous laugh. I hear it. <laughs> How did you know? The Holy Spirit is moving. Nobody gets married to keep their spouse hidden. Or at least you shouldn't. Nobody has a boo and says, I'm not going to tell anybody about my boo. You, you're in a relationship for a reason. You're in a relationship to show everybody, right, that I am so in love with this person. I'm so connected with this person that I want the whole world to know what is going on in my life. Now, if that doesn't fit your bill, if you are hiding somebody, uh, you can make an appointment through Liz to come sit on my couch. <laughs> and uh, we can have a conversation. Because if you are ashamed of your significant other. If you are embarrassed uh, uh, to be seen in public with your significant other, if you just don't want to be with that person, then, then that, that's a recipe for trouble. And I'd love to help you. I'd love to direct you to someone who can help you a lot better than me. And that same is true for our relationship with Jesus. We should not be ashamed to talk about, to represent our King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about or, or, or to, to, to live for Jesus Christ, the one who saved our soul. We shouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed or want to not want to be associated with him because he said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. This idea of baptism is a public declaration that me and Jesus, we got a thing going on. We, got, we have a relationship. We, you know, me and Jesus are linked up forever. And baptism is that ring that you're putting on that relationship to show publicly that I am with Jesus and Jesus is with me. 
Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to get out of here on this. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. God made a visible and audible declaration, a public announcement that this Jesus, we in this relationship together. We are together. We are united. We are one. And the Holy Spirit steps in and says, yeah, I'm with that too. And he shines a light on him. Listen, I think that the Holy Spirit has some blessings, has some some victories, has life that he wants to shower down and light you up with. But he's waiting to see, are you going to make this thing public? Do you really love Jesus? Do you really have the ring on that you are in a relationship with Jesus? Are you willing to make it public that Jesus and me, we are in a relationship together? The Holy Spirit says, I light stuff up like that. I love when stuff like that comes up. So how can you put a ring on your relationship with Jesus this week? Three things that I want to leave you with. Here it is. And uh, matter of fact, worship team, y'all can come on up. And if you have your connect card, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to write where it says where my next step, a one, two, or three. And I'm going to give you three things right now. Number one, maybe you've already been baptized. And you're like, Gary, I already went through that step. That's great. Congratulations. But maybe there's a family member or some friends or maybe your coworker has no idea that you are a follower of Jesus. I would like to challenge you this week to have a conversation with one of those people that don't know that you're a follower of Jesus. Have a conversation about your relationship with Jesus. You're like, oh, Gary, I'm not going to do that. Well, here's the number two. I told you I'm going to give you three options. Number two, maybe you are in a great relationship with Jesus. Maybe you are publicly representing Jesus, but you know someone who is in a spiritual dry spell right now. You need to be the one that invites them into the refreshing waters of a relationship with Jesus. And listen, maybe you can't find the words. Maybe uh, you're not like my wife and, and, and verbose and have all these great, great lexicon in your brain, right? Uh, maybe you don't have the right words to say, but you can just say, join me at Mercy next week. Invite somebody to church next week. Or number three, attend a baptism class. If you have not been baptized or if you've recommitted your life to Jesus or if you were baptized and it wasn't your choice, I'm going to make a plea to you today. We have a baptism class that's going to happen right after service in the prayer room, which is right out of these doors next to the exit door. I'll be standing out there so you can't miss it. All right, don't try to sneak and go out that door. But I parked over there, Gary. You can come over and say hi at least. But we'll be right in that room ready to talk about what baptism is, why it's so important to Jesus, and what you need to do to get baptized at our next baptism. As Pastor Jesse told us, our next baptism is going to be at Long Lake Park on August the 9th. If you want to be baptized, we want you to be there, get baptized at the beach. Bring some food and have fun. But if you're not going to get baptized, 
I want to invite you to that baptism as well because I want you to celebrate the people who are coming out and being baptized. This is a wonderful moment in their lives. Something absolutely amazing might happen and you might miss it. The Holy Spirit might come down like a dove and light somebody up in that water and, all, and, and we start talking about you. Like, Man, I wish I was there. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So that's August the 9th at uh, 6 p.m. So write number one, two, or three in your my next step on your connect card. I'm going to invite the ushers. Are they ushers today? If not, they're ushers? All right, I got a thumbs up. Thank you. Ushers, come on forward as the worship team leads us in worship for the remainder of service. I want you to write one, two, or three in my next step. They'll bring a basket. You can take that connect card, put it in the basket, and pass it down the row, along with your tithes, offering, whatever gift that you might have come in with. Uh, thank you so much for investing in this branch of the kingdom of God as we continue to transform the Twin Cities for God. Amen.